Welcome to the Blockchain Hustle, where I take a look at some interesting plays of how blockchain technology is opening up new business vistas across multiple industries. Blockchain has been evolving from a hot tech disruption buzzword towards some actual business. But before jumping onto the bandwagon with all your resources and guns firing, there is one basic question we need to answer, and that is, to blockchain or not? Hi everyone, this is your host, Meenu Sareen, with this 10th episode of the Blockchain in Public Sector series. Now, in the previous episodes, I took you through a broad spectrum, starting with the role of public sector and the citizens' expectations from it, to what does that entail? That is the requisite infrastructure and the features coupled with the public sector areas holding the most promise for blockchain. This is the low-hanging fruits. And then across to a few specific examples and insights of some of the blockchain projects undertaken around the world, Europe, India, UAE, Thailand. So now let's get to the question, to blockchain or not? If you're still on the fence and do not know whether to jump in or not, do not sweat it. And let's give this a shot. Now for blockchain use case selection framework, well, there are quite a few available, but for this particular episode, I have taken a reference from Niti Aayog, the Indian think tank, Niti Aayog's framework, which in turn is based on the World Economic Framework analysis model. Now, here are a few questions that uh, need to be analyzed before deciding whether blockchain could be an appropriate solution for your specific use case. Now, the first few questions are on the stakeholders. The first one is, is there a need to reduce intermediaries? For example, will it be cheaper or more efficient if you were to collaborate directly? Now, these intermediaries could be entities, brokers, or they, can, they could even be processes. Examples of the process intermediaries are authorization intermediaries or multiple systems of records. This intermediation, most often it brings in the process efficiencies. But however, note that the blockchain solutions will not necessarily lead to a complete disintermediation. And the majority of the viable use cases, they will still be permissioned. And I think that also has its root in the apprehension and the skepticism towards making a sharp, clean transition from the existing centralization and the multiple intermediaries and hierarchies to a complete disintermediated, decentralized solution. The second one is, is it a multi-stakeholder environment? And do the entities already know and they trust each other? Blockchain solutions, they are, they act as sources of trust and transparency. And hence they are suited for your process flows across, which involve multiple entities. And also a blockchain, it derives its substantial value from the network effect. But note that if all the entities, they know each other, they trust one another, then there's probably no need for a blockchain there. And then maybe it is recommended for you to opt for another technology uh, for your solution. The other one is, 
to the multiple stakeholders do they require the share right access to update records? That is, do they need to be able to write transactions onto the blockchain? Because if not, then a central repository with multiple real-time read-only instances may make more sense. Another one in the same category is, could there be a need to change the functionality on the blockchain without having to go through detailed discussions with all the parties involved? Because if that is the case, and if you have multiple parties, then it's going to be pretty lengthy. So if you are going through all these detailed, uh, detailed discussions with the parties involved, perhaps it's better for you to go for private permission blockchains. Because if you were to go in for, a, let's say, a public blockchain in this case, I think it's going to be a nightmare. The last one in this category is that does the use case process flow? Does it have specific requirements for the use of some trusted, trusted entity or a regulator? Because if so, it perhaps would be more prudent to involve one at the onset. The regulators can ensure the compliance with the laws such as antitrust and the competition law. And uh, the certifying agency, for example, would just uh, would need to be, sorry, would need to be one of the nodes on the blockchain. The next set of questions that you need to ask come under the kind of assets which are involved. Are digital native assets involved? Are you working with digital assets? Now, digital native assets are actually just the physical assets that can be described in a digital format. However, this is not sufficient for the blockchain use. If that asset, if your uh, physical asset uh, converted into a digital asset, if that digital asset has a physical representation that can change form, then it is very difficult to manage that asset on a blockchain. For example, if you need to track and trace, let's say a farm produce, for example, wheat from the farm to the table, it is quite tough, it's quite difficult to use a blockchain in managing the transition from the wheat to the flour to the bread. So in the example of uh, India's fertilizer blockchain project, which was one of the claim verification and the approval of uh, in the fertilizer disbursement subsidy, the fertilizer as a physical asset, the fertilizers were represented as sales invoices and notices. So this form of uh, which form of your physical asset would be digitized, that needs to be kept in mind. The next one I have here is, can a permanent and authoritative record be created for the digital asset? Now, a fundamental tenet of a blockchain is that it needs to be a source of trust. So this gets to be a very critical question. And one cannot have multiple sources of trust for the same state of an asset. Uh, the blockchain solution will not be feasible if your involved stakeholders, they cannot reach a consensus on one single source of trust, one single source of truth. And an example could be the disputed land records. If that has not been resolved and you do not have a sanctity of a single source of truth, then a blockchain solution may not help you in this case. And then we come to the kind of the transactions and the data involved. Are you managing contractual relationships or value exchange? Because if not, then there is little need for a blockchain here. 
and uh, you may be better served by alternate texts or solutions. Because blockchain is all about managing your contractual relationships or a value exchange. The next one is, what is the transaction volume around the digital assets that you're talking about? Assess the speed which is required for the process in question. Do you require some high performance? And I'm talking about millisecond performance. These kind of rapid transactions, do you require them? For blockchains as of now, they are not well suited for the transactions volume intensive applications. And the last one we have is on the kind of data that we are using. What kind of data are we using? Blockchains are well suited for the transactional data. Blockchains are not alternatives to the databases. So if your proposed solution, if that involves large amounts of non-transactional data, then perhaps blockchain is not what you should go for. So these folks are a few questions or a kind of a blockchain use case selection framework, which I hope provides you with some push towards your decision making to blockchain or not. So thank you for the listen and do stay tuned for the next episode in the series. Cheers. You've been listening to the Blockchain Hustle. Did you enjoy this podcast? If so, please do leave a short review. Like it, share it, download it, subscribe to it. What should I talk about next? Please do let me know your suggestions by writing to me at minu at vlsiconsultancy.com or through any of the other contact channels as shared in the episode notes. Thank you.